Well, let's do this. Let's turn to John 21. We've taken a break. We've been going through Matthew as a church for the last bit, while, whatever you want to say. And we're taking a break between um, Advent and Lent to work through just some of our favorite passages to teach or to discuss or to read or whatever. And this one's definitely up there for me. I will say, I I have talked about it here before once. Um, It's been a really long time, though. And so... um, I was talking to John earlier, and I was like, man, it's, it's hard when um, I read something that I've taught before or that I enjoy a lot, because then it's hard for me to like, try to think about it freshly like, or like, anew, you know? So we'll, we've been trying you know, to think about it like that this last five weeks or four weeks or something like that, and so we'll keep going. So John 21 <clears throat> um, is where we'll be, and it's this passage that comes kind of, it's, it's like we're looking forward through Lent. So if we taught this probably when it would like be really appropriate, it would be the week after Easter probably or something like that or the second week after that. We'll talk about it today. And it's Jesus has has been resurrected and he's interacted with his disciples a few times already. <clears throat> We've had this wonderful passage about Thomas and and Jesus asking him about his doubt and they talk candidly about that. He's appeared to his disciples. He's appeared to this group of women. He's, he's appeared to other people. But this is a, a story that usually gets called this like reinstatement of Peter, right? Or this like Peter gets to start anew. Like he gets like a new, a new shot at this thing, right? So I'm going to read it. And we're really going to be looking at verse 15, but I'm going to back up just a little bit um, to uh, verse 4, just because I just think it's a fun story. And just as... Um, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet his disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So, Okay, real quick aside, that's ridiculous. As a little kid, I thought this meant the correct side. Like, they didn't know where to cast it. As a little kid, for the longest time, like a weird amount of time. And then I was like, oh. They're putting it on the left. He just meant the other side. But I didn't know. I thought it was like, cast it on the correct side, you fishermen. Like who? And I was like, they should know. Where to, what's happening now? It was like, I mean, way too long. I thought that for way, way, way too long. Like college. Not, no, not really. Not college. But a long time. Anyway, that had nothing to do with anything. But whatever. Um, cast it on the right side, and you'll find some. Um, so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish The disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in on the boat, dragging a net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards or so off. And when they got to the land, they saw charcoal, a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them, which is, again, very interesting. They counted them up real quick. and It was like, it was 153, or whatever. Um, And although there were so many, the net wasn't torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast with me. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was their Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish It was the third time Jesus had revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend to my sheep. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said it to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Now, this story is interesting to me because of this repetition. And there's something we need to know about it. There's something we need to know about this repetition. So in English, um, what are some things we love, right? We love, I love Lilybeth a lot. I, I love her a certain way, right? But I also love pizza a lot. Like it's my favorite thing besides Lily almost always. No, but I love pizza, right? Via is a gift from our Lord. It's, it's just amazing. But I love pizza. I love Lily. I love you right? I sometimes love my job, you know, sometimes I'm lucky enough to love it, right? I love my parents who are here. I, I love a lot of things, and so we say we love them. Now, obviously, the context matters, right? Because if I say I love pizza, and I say I love Lily, I better love them differently, right? I, it really needs to be drastically different kind of love, but we only have one word for it, right? We try to switch it up at our house. We say, oh, I adore you, or ooh, I like you a lot, or something else. But it's, it's hard in English to get that across. Well, in Greek, there's a bunch of ways to say love, and they're all specific, right? They're way more precise than English. And there's a ton of different ways. There's three kind of main ones that people talk about all the time, and one of them is phileo, right? We know this word. The Philadelphia is playing in the Super Bowl today, city of brotherly love. It is a love like a brother. It's, it's like a camaraderie type of love. It's a, it's a heavy like. It's like, you, it's like I love Kevin, right? I've known Kevin a long time. I love him. I don't mind saying that to him. I don't mind calling him to say it. I love Kevin. But the love, the brotherly love that I have for Kevin is very different than Eros kind of love that I have for Lilybeth. That involves romance. The word is like this base root of this type of eroticism that comes from a romantic love between lovers, between a couple, between partnership in that way, right? It's a very different kind of love. In Greek, I would not tell Kevin that I love him in that way. It'd be awkward part of our friendship, right? He would probably answer differently back to me. And then there's another one, agape. And we know that word as well. We've heard that word. It means this unconditional love. It's a different love than eros, because Eros' love is earned, right? I definitely had to help Lily learn to love me. It was a lot of work, a lot of letters from Guam to Oregon or wherever you were living at the time, but it was a lot. I had to work really hard. It's earned. And just like it can be earned, it can be ruined, right? Eros' kind of love is, is something that you constantly work on and foster or it can go away. Same with phileo. Brotherly love is that way, right? There are things Kevin could do to stop me from calling him and being like, hey man, I just want to let you know I love you. There, there are some things he could do. He would not. But there's things he could do, right? Agape is different. Agape is, is almost not like saying, I love you anymore. It's this deeper understanding. This, this higher is like a wrong word because that implies something. But it's, it's, it's only a love that can't go away. That's like, a, it's not even an urn. It's like something that just is beget in us, right? This, that type of love, it's the closest I've got is like your kid. Because a kid doesn't earn it. They just show up and you're like, ooh, I would run in traffic for you. That's very strange. Like this, you, 
you stink and you're loud and all these things, and yet I, I can't get away from my love for you, right? But it's even more than that, though. Well, in this passage, we have different words for love. They don't just say, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you? They don't, it's not, Jesus isn't doing that. So let's read it again, and I'm going to insert the actual Greek word in its place, and then it means something completely different to us, okay? And this is what it says. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, I'm in uh, verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than you agape anyone else? Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And then Jesus says, then feed my sheep. He says to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He says, tend my sheep. And then Jesus a third time says to him, Simon, son of John, do you merely phileo me? And Simon is grieved that Jesus asked him a third time, Simon, do you merely phileo me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know everything. I merely phileo you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep anyway. (laughs) He said, there was a time when you were a child and you thought you were this great, wonderful man and you thought you were going to change the world and you dressed like you wanted and you walked where you wanted and you said way too quickly anything you wanted. But now you're about to be an old man. And you're going to learn that there are some things that you will have to do that you don't like to do. And even though you phileo me, this can still happen. And he says, Peter, feed my sheep. That is such a different story than do you love me? Sure. Do you love me? Sure. You know I love you. No, Jesus is asking him, do you agape me? And why would he do that? Why why does this interaction have to happen? It's in front of people at breakfast. Why does, why does Jesus have to ask him this way, right? Peter's right. Jesus, you know all things. You know what my love is like for you. J- Peter has denied Jesus, right? Didn't stay at the cross. Shamed himself at another fire, around another campfire, a few days earlier, right? This, this young woman comes in and she says, I know you're with Jesus. He says, no, and begins to swear and curse. I don't know this man. How many times do I have to tell you? And then the rooster crows. He's reminded of this prophecy from Jesus, and he goes away weeping bitterly and is broken, right? Right after he threatens to, like, cut off a guy's head and misses and shaves his ear off, right? We remember this story. So in the garden, when they arrest Jesus, Peter's like, I'll die for you. Hi-ya! And like chops a dude's ear off, which is very interesting to me. And Jesus is like, please don't do that. Don't, let's not. No more ears being removed. Let's fix that. I have something to do, you know. Not long after, denies he knows Jesus at all. This fiery boldness he has is crushed. Goes away. He's scared to even, to be honest, he's scared to even find out if Jesus is raised from the dead in a passage just before this, right? Let's John run ahead, and he kind of slow plays it to the tomb to see if it's true. All these stories show a difference in Peter, and, and Jesus seems to want Peter to know who he really is, right? He's like, he wants Peter to be honest with himself. Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, no. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I don't have that type of love for you. I thought I did. I I told everyone I was ready to die for you. I told everyone what I would do for you. I walked out on water for you. I did all of these things, but apparently all I've got in the tank is phileo for you. And I I empathize with this so hard 
Because I like want very much. Last week we talked about I want to know Christ, right? This passage from Paul that's like anything in my life that meant something, it's a wash compared to just knowing him. Just, just having some sort of like intimacy with Jesus is better than any accomplishment I've ever had, right? And I want to feel that way. Sometimes I even have to want to want to feel that way, right? And I say it sitting on the stool and we have communion and then I go back and I live my week and, and there are, I just am caught by who I actually really am. I want to agape so hard, but the truth is, much of the time, it's barely phileo. When going's good, oh man, I can like Jesus then. I'm down. It's kind of easy to hear with you standing here with a blue book in my hand. You know, it's easy, easy here. And I'm like, oh, there might be some agape in there, right? But on Monday or right after when my kid jumps up there or something, it's going to be, it's going to show itself as phileo. And Jesus says, Austin, is that what you have? Do you merely phileo me? I'm with Peter that I would have to say, it absolutely grieves me. Yes, that's all I got. I'm trying. <laughs> but the truth of it is, if you, had, if you had to ask me just like that, it would heavy phileo sometimes, I hope. And Jesus, though, in the midst of that, wants Peter to know that is okay. He doesn't say, you better conjure up some agape or you're not going to have a place with me. You better, you better figure it out, Peter, because it's about to get really hard, and if you don't have agape, oh man, you're not going to make it. You're going to be denying and denying and denying again. There's going to be roosters crowing every day for you. If you don't figure out some agape, you better muster it up, kid, right? That, that's how we think Jesus looks at us sometimes. That's like how we picture God seeing us. We, we picture God being like, you, you better, let's go. Pick it up. You know this isn't who you're supposed to be. Let's go. You better hustle up or you're going to miss all the things I have for you. That's, that's the way we think this picture plays out. And Jesus is, is so honest with Peter. And the beauty of it is he says, yes, I know you have phileo with me. Let's go, though. Let's live this life to the full with all your phileo. And with half of it. Or with whatever you've got. Let's just Let's just live. Like, let's enjoy this dance of God, this kingdom of heaven at hand, this, like, actually here, life to the full kingdom of, of justice and, and mercy and all these beautiful things we hope for. Let's just do them with phileo or agape or heavy like or something, you know, or curiosity or doubt or whatever the hell we have, whatever we've got, just, just do it anyway. That, that's what Jesus' message is to Peter here, and that's the beauty of the story. He knows who you are. He knows what's in you. He knows if, if you haven't thought of Jesus in a week. Do you think that that, like, excludes us from the kingdom? This, like, good news to the poor, this people who are, are sick being made well, this, this raised from the dead kingdom, we think that's going to stop our involvement in that? Jesus says, absolutely not. There is a, he says, when you were young, yeah, you thought you were someone you're not. Take a good look at yourself, and then let's just enjoy this together. And Peter does wonderful, great things, right? Messes up along the way does wonderful, great things, ends up, ends up understanding and teaching a whole nation of people that know Gentiles can actually have the same kingdom. 
out of phileo. And I just, I want us to like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get us to be down on ourselves knowing who we are, right? That's not the intention. But if we ask ourselves the same question, whatever the answer is, the answer from Jesus is the same. Feed my sheep, tend to the lambs, love the poor, repair the streets, right? Repair the breach, restore the streets, all those things. That's what we get to be a part of. However the love for him looks with us, however it comes out, whatever we do or don't do, that is what we get to be a part of. And so we're going to take communion in just a little bit, and I want us in that mindset, as you take the bread and the cup, and as we sing songs, we say a liturgy, we say the Lord's Prayer, allow yourself the grace and the joy to be loved back with whatever you've got and told, let's Feed the sheep, right? Jesus is saying, let's do this together. Allow yourself to have that. Allow yourself to enjoy that this morning, okay? So let's, let's stand together. And we're going to say our liturgy. I'm going to pray for us first, and then we'll have a liturgy response. God, we, we do want, obviously, we, not even obviously, maybe, maybe many of us, maybe some, maybe a few, we want to agape you. But we know ourselves, just as Peter did. And we know that we fall short all the time of the love we want for you, much less the actions we want to take. But God, give us the grace to ourselves, and please let us understand that the grace is real from you that says, still, let's, let's change the world anyway. Let's love people well anyway. Let's feed the sheep, feed the lambs. In Jesus' name, amen.